0: Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation and check out recent shows where we talked about the creepy shadow entity known as the Hat Man, the troubling demise of the Great Barrier Reef, and the remarkable power of prayer. Head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for the Coast Insider to start listening. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Okay, welcome back to Coast to Coast. Varla Ventura with us. Varla's website is her name, varlaventura.net, linked up at com. She's also written a book called The Book of the Bazaar and Beyond Bazaar. And also, she wrote a very sophisticated book called Among the Mermaids. And you know what, Varla? I've gotten more emails in the last uh, couple weeks about mermaids again. I don't know if Discovery's running that old mermaid TV show they produced or what, but people are talking about mermaids. Do you get that too?
1: Well, I noticed actually there was a story you guys ran uh, mm-hmm. about some Little girl. In, I think it was in Zimbabwe of two kids being attacked by a mermaid. And then that sort of led me down this rabbit hole that I had actually never heard of this sort of huge superstition and fear of mermaids in that part of the world. And um, even though it's landlocked and, um, but just, I guess, water creatures in general. So um, mermaids are kind of perpetually fascinating, I think, for people.
0: Yeah, they are. And, you know, sailors have sworn that they've seen, you know, mermaids. A lot of people think that they're, um, you know, sea creatures uh, you know, sitting on rocks or or what have you. But what's your take on them?
1: Um. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of unknown sort of things floating around out there that you know people might consider their their ghost or their their um you know something in the in the house or you know there's a lot of different sort of Thing labels that we can put on, on creatures.
0: Well, you know what? It's not too far-fetched on this vast planet of many species to think of something that looks somewhat human that has ended to be somewhat human and then somewhat fish-like. You know what? I can't rule that out.
1: Well, I mean, I think that's kind of (laughs) what it comes down to is that, you know, I'm a collector of, of, folk tales and of folklore and sort of, you know, old stories. And I think that I... I have found in, in reading some of these old accounts and then in talking to people who come forward and want to share their stories, as you, know, you experience all the time, that we can't really entirely rule one thing out. I mean, sure, it's, it's easy to say, oh, well, I don't believe in mermaids, but you're still going to probably be interested in um, maybe a story about them. So it's difficult to really, you know, every day we're kind of finding these amazing things that, you know, these strange creatures that dwell in the sea. And, um, you know, there are a lot of unidentifiable things out there. So it's difficult to just completely rule something out. And I think, you know, there's, there's, you've got to give some credibility to the generations and generations that have come before that are saying, you know, this is, our, this is our story. This is our origin story, and that happens with mermaids quite often.
0: Well, that's so true. Now, you wrote another book called Banshees, Werewolves, Vampires, and Other Creatures of the Night. What are banshees?
1: So banshees are <clears throat> technically, excuse me, the, uh, the word banshee means of the fairy mound, and uh, banshees are sort of sort of terrifying in their own way, although they are relatively harmless. They're a kind of, they sort of straddle the world of fairy and ghost, and they're sort of half, you know, half fairy, half ghost, or all fairy, depending on uh, who you ask. And they um, appear sort of as uh, in the same way a warning ghost might appear. So you might hear the cry of the banshee, and we hear about like a banshee scream, and it's sort of this long, mournful, moaning scream. Um, or you hear, you know, about people seeing this sort of, like, lovely-looking woman, or perhaps it appears as a harmless old woman sort of walking down the road, and then she turns and um, is actually quite, quite horrific.
0: Like the old hag?
1: Like the old hag. Yeah. You know, and then it'll sort of turn and transform. And often they sort of exist to give you a warning. Now, it used to be that they were always sort of a harbinger of, of death, and that they would say you know, if you saw a banshee, it was said that someone in your family would die. Now, this was, of course, you know, back in the olden, olden days in Ireland where they would have, you know, there were a a limited number of people and clans that would sort of inherit these sort of um, creatures that would kind of appear to generations upon generations. But it is said that if you hear a banshee um, that, you know, you should... You sort of get your affairs in order. That thing that 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 death is is looming, um, and in that way they become kind of more terrifying than a vampire or a werewolf or anything like that.
0: I've been uh, interviewing around Halloween people who are vampires or they claim to be, and they literally now varla like go to the dentist and have their teeth. Uh, you know capped with the vampire fangs and everything else yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know what as a as someone who was in pre-dental school for a couple of years <laughs> I don't think I would do that not even for the money if somebody came in and said you know I want the you know vampire teeth I'd say i'm sorry I don't do that but yeah. uh, but they go ahead and do that it's yeah weird there's
1: a, there's a guy who actually i think he was trained as a dentist and he sort of makes these they're not implants they're they're like caps that go go over your
0: they're called billy bob teeth <laughs> they are
1: yeah, per- he's a
0: former <laughs> former dentist and he started a company making the, the, the teeth plastic teeth that uh, f- fit over your teeth um, you know because uh, you make the mold uh, out of uh, out of uh, plastic that you boil and that is softened and you just kind of like, you know, stick your mouth in it, and you make you make your own mold, but you have these teeth, but they're called, the company, his company's called Billy Bob, and uh, I mean, he does well. People wear these things.
1: And there's also like the, you know, the contacts, people get those contacts, and then they sort of like turn and stare at you, and they... Reptilian
0: eyes and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: I think... That's only happened to me once, like, complete, I'm sure I've been places where people have been dressed up or, like, on Halloween, there's, you know, there's always parties and things like that, and I lived in San Francisco for 20 years, so, you know, you can imagine what you'd see just on, the, on any given day, but um, I think only one time did I see someone wearing something like that out of context, you know, like, checking into a, a hotel or something, like, very normal, just in, like, a lobby, and this person had, like, those reptilian things on. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not easily scared, but it definitely kind of made me go, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> well, what what is your take on vampires, per se? Do you think that the real vampire creature is out there?
1: Well, I, I like the vampires that I've met. Or, and, and, I'm, and these are people that are self-identified as vampires. That have sort of always felt a calling, much like someone might identify as a witch, or um, you know, as a, a person who practices fairy magic. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's a lot of different um, different facets of uh, modern day vampires. Um, there's everything from, you know, just sort of cosplay and costuming. To people who take it as a ritual and take it very seriously in a more sort of magical and spiritual way um, and I you know I, I'd say I could count on my hand the number of actual vampires or people who, who really um, identify as vampires um, probably probably I know about five of them and then there's you know probably a lot of people I never really realized, and I think we've all uh, experienced sort of, you know, emotional vampires or psychic vampires at some point in our lives. But the the vampires that I know, and I myself am not a vampire or a member of the vampire community, um, but the vampires that I know are actually very, very empathic people, extremely sensitive, like beyond just sensitive, very empathic, very considerate, um, and very... Um, you know, willing to kind of, um, to, to bear their soul to you and to um, share, you know, what they feel and, and often, you know, vampires have some healing qualities and they just sort of need to seek out other kind of, of people. And it's, in, in many ways, there's aspects of, you know, different, you know, BDSM communities that have these kind of same attributes.
0: Now, how about werewolves, a different creature all by itself, but some people do suffer from that, it's an illness, isn't it, where they yes. become werewolf-like?
1: Yes, there's, there's a couple of different things. Well, is
0: happens. it called lycanthropy or something like that? Yes,
1: yes, and it, it is, it's called lycanthropy, and, um, or lycanthropy, depending on, you know, who says it, and it is a clinical diagnosis. Um, in which a person, you know, believes that they have transformed into a werewolf. And it will kind of come in cycles. It will increase, you know, on the night of the full moon. And um, there's also other conditions that, you know, have led to people being misdiagnosed or ostracized as a werewolf. And those are things like, you know, excessive hair growth, which we now know is often a hormonal imbalance. And um, there's actually a, a whole kind of fascinating facet of the um, history of werewolves and the idea of, like, sort of hormones coming into play and werewolves being, uh, you know, the whole idea of them becoming more aggressive at the, or, or coming into, into their werewolf bodies at the full moon actually can tie in with the idea of, you know, Raging hormones and um, some of these kind of ideas of you know people going crazy, and I think you know we've this tonight is a full moon actually, so the call should be pretty interesting. Oh
0: tonight. my gosh, it's going to be a huge! <laughs> like, it's called the Pink Moon. <laughs> That's something else. What what has Hollywood done, Barla, to our images of vampires and werewolves and creatures like that, even fairies?
1: Yeah, even fairies and, and mermaids. Um, you know, I think of Daryl Hannah when I think of mermaids still to this day. I think we all do. <laughs> um, well, you know, I, it's very difficult to uh, actually completely erase the idea of, of the Hollywood vampire or werewolf, because like any myth and any story that is in our culture, that is now part of our popular culture. And so... Bell Lugosi is part of our vision of the vampire, um, you know, and Lon Chaney is our part of our vision of the werewolf, and sort of how we look at like a modern day werewolf or a, a modern werewolf costume is sort of modeled on that, you know, that uh, original Lon Chaney movie. So, I think um, now these things were based somewhat in the you know the what was in the stories. So the attractive vampire, the sort of magnetic vampire, the um, disheveled and slightly sad dog-like werewolf, um, these are things that occur in stories throughout time. Um, But if you continue to go back, you'll see um, other aspects of it, and that's when you get into sort of like shape-shifting and um, pagan rituals that involve furs and, you know, um, all different kinds of... um, ideas that have sort of morphed into, you know, someone was peeking through the, the, the hay mounds and watched this ritual and then, you know, determined that it was, you know, a bunch of like wild werewolves when in fact it was like maybe a fertility ritual to ensure the crop. So we have, you know, a lot of different layers to where we ended up today. But I will say I don't mind at all a lot of the, um, you know, modern day depictions because I, I still find them interesting and, and um, part, of the, part of the story.
0: Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.